You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is September 19th, 2018. This is the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Today, talking SmackDown Live after Hell in a Cell. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined as always by Justin Labar, Raj Geary on a Wednesday. And Raj, who is our guest today? Al from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Al, how are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me, guys. Absolutely. Cool, man. Uh, SmackDown last night after Hell in a Cell. All in all, Justin, I'll go to you first today. Uh, what did you think of uh, the post Hell in a Cell SmackDown Live? I was good with it. You know, um, yeah, again, solid two hours, perfect sweet spot of time length, uh, which we've talked about before. Uh, definitely a couple stories, you know, piqued my interest. You know, Miz and Brian, uh, it always, always, you know, piques my interest. Uh, I like, I'm, I'm always interested in with stuff with Rusev. I'm happy to see that he's uh, not going to be turned heel again right now. So, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of things to take away from it. And of course, Becky Lynch, which we'll get to. So. No, of course. Al, how about you? And what did you think of Hell in a Cell? Uh, I liked the show up until uh, the main event, and to me, the main event kind of ruined the show for me. In as much really, as, yeah, in as much as a a main event can make or break uh, a show, I was really down on it. You mean I, Hell in a, You mean Hell in a Cell, right? Yes, yes, we had Hell in a Cell. Yeah, um, the the uh, the Braun and uh, Roman just mess of a match, overbooked match. Uh, I wasn't into it all. As far as SmackDown last night, I thought it was fine. I mean, it was one of these kind of placeholder shows that I thought just kind of advanced everything uh, into the the next show or series of shows. They got so much stuff that they're promoting right now. Um, I think you touched on, I think maybe one of the more, if, if not the most newsworthy uh, development was the uh, the split up of Rusev Day. And I thought it was handled uh, really well. I thought it was good, compelling TV. Yeah, Raj. Uh, I actually really liked SmackDown Live last night. I thought the uh, I thought the Aries I'm Aries what the hell um, <laughs> uh, the AJ uh, versus Almas match was awesome. I think those guys just have great chemistry. Um, I still don't like that they don't put AJ on last. His segments are always kind of in the middle of the show when they on SmackDown they clearly position the most important stuff to be last, and AJ is very rarely in that last spot. And I think it's just part of. The, it's it's a weird thing that they have with certain guys. Like when CM Punk was a babyface, he was they kind of did the same thing with him. He was never on last on a pay per view. Uh, he, he was made to feel like his programs were less important than Cena. They do the same thing with AJ. I don't, I don't know why it's their WWE Championship. It only benefits them to make it seem more important. So in that sense, I didn't like that it was not the last match on the show. I did like the Becky segment and uh, you know, again, the Aiden uh, English Rusev stuff I thought was, it was great that they finally went somewhere with it. And I like that it's Aiden turning heel and not Rusev. Yeah. 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 Uh, if, if 
on that point, uh, you know, they're, they're bragging a lot about AJ being on pace to setting this record uh, for, for the longest WWE championship reign since, I guess, since Punk. Uh, and I guess in, in a couple months, we're coming up on a year. And I believe he has not headlined a pay-per-view yet during uh, that year. And I during think that's what you're saying. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but then if you go back and count AJ's title matches at pay-per-views, look at how many uh, controversial finishes. Yeah. How 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 the, you know it's like it's like a Ric Flair streak. He's remained champion, but he's not winning anything. It's like a honky tonk man streak almost, <laughs> and he's and he's a babyface, right? Yeah, it's a real problem, and, and uh, I mean, I I think it's happening with a few guys. I mean, you look at um, probably the three best workers in all of WWE, and and three of the best in the world are all on the SmackDown brand, right? In AJ uh, Nakamura and Daniel Bryan, and I think they're all under this the same problem where. For the life of them, they they are just cannot be put in a, a situation where they could just have a good match. I mean, uh, it, it's incredible that those three guys have gone as long as they've uh, they have, um, not putting on like that five star classic match of the year candidate. And I and I don't think it's about them or their ability. I just think it's about the way uh, it's being booked, the way they're featured, these wacky finishes, some of the the opponents that. Um, they, they're paired up with, and it, it, it almost feels deliberate. Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange. I think Samoa AJ's, Joe, too, yeah, you know, when yeah. he moved over to SmackDown, he seemed a lot more important before he moved to SmackDown. And even though he's in the, the world title picture, it seems secondary, and he, he does not seem near as dangerous as he did uh, before. Yeah, but say what you will about the great all-time heels of the WWE, some vicious, some maniacal, some downright cruel, but how many of them could write a children's book to taunt their opponent? <laughs> right. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> yep. You're not going to you wouldn't have seen Andre the Giant doing nursery rhymes <laughs> before WrestleMania 3. <laughs> I didn't hate that. I thought I wouldn't, but I got to see. I, I kind of enjoy. It. I I thought Joe pulled it off, I should say. Yeah. I wasn't a fan. I didn't I I, I did think he pulled it off better than a lot of other guys would, but He's just not that kind of heel. Yeah. Like it's something that I could see like a Miz doing, even Rollins back when he was a heel. But Joe's supposed to be that kind of badass, you know, half shoot, uh, kind of, you know, more serious. You don't mess with them kind of guy. And I just think it takes away from that a little bit. But yeah. it, it wasn't it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. I just think it was a little inconsistent with this character. I just had a flashback. Remember when Rollins came back? Who was it against? Was it against Roman when Rollins did the Rollins report? He was showing that terrible out of context <laughs> video. It was like one of the worst teal segments in recent memory. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Which tells you something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my, Monday Night Raw, they got a lot of time to fill, folks. Um, the Miz, speaking of heels, opened last night, uh, setting up his match for the Super Showdown versus Daniel Bryan. The winner will earn a shot at the WWE Championship. And, uh, yeah, I was talking to talk about Daniel, brought out Maurice uh, as a special guest, and they started talking to us back about Brie Bella. That was too much for Daniel, came out and started beating up the Miz. Um, Miz got knocked into Maurice. EMT car came out. There was a fake out. I don't know. This whole thing, man. Like, I love this feud, but uh, they got to work to keep it a little more interesting. How about, uh, how about you guys? How about you, Al? What would you think of this segment? I, I thought it was kind of like half an angle, you know. Um, I was intrigued with the the whole uh, uh, setup of Maurice appearing to be heard, and the medics coming out, and and uh, Daniel Bryan being concerned. 
But then she went and kind of gave it all up before Miz was even able to capitalize, right? I mean, I, I think that storyline works if he does get flattened, you know, if he does get hit with the skull crushing finale. But but what exactly did she set up that giving the Miz enough time to get behind him? Uh, yeah. You know, nothing really came of it. Yeah, and uh, Maurice did announce she's uh, retiring again for a while. Going to go focus on being a mom. So this feud is going to be back to Daniel and the Miz one on one. Justin, is that a good development in your mind? Well, I mean, certainly Daniel uh, Bryan and, and and the Miz don't need the wives. I mean, they 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 did add uh, something to help, I guess, fill another month. They the, you know, but not, obviously the 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 origin of it all is, is the just polar opposites and dislike that the two have and, the, and how they've sold it so well. Um, I, I made a great point that that was one thing is that the, the Maurice Maurice did it, it, she did go a little bit too early in the mm. scenario. It seemed like uh, with, uh, with with her, ha ha, we got you. Um, but overall, you know, I mean, I, I thought as I said in the past week, the amount of the amount of mixed tags we have with uh, you know Almas and Vega and, and Lana and Rusev and then Bree and Brian and 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 Miz and Maurice, you, know, you you could have gone and done an, an eight person tag at, at at one of these big shows or Survivor Series even. Um, you know, yet so if, if they were sticking around, but I can understand Maurice going back uh, home. She's not, you know, she's not really an in-ring worker, anyways. So, um, you know, it was, it was fine. It added an element for a little bit to to make it more personal by bringing the the families into it. But uh, you know, they don't need it. Yeah, I, I I felt like it deflated a, a lot of the the heat and intensity from the feud by bringing the wives in. I felt like from where this feud was a year ago, like it seemed like a you know like a very intense thing. You can't wait to see it to now. It just seems like it's just bringing Daniel Bryan down. He seems like less of a star uh, after this whole feud. I can't wait for them to move on from this. I hope, uh, you know, Australia is the end because I think it, it just hasn't helped Daniel Bryan at all. And um, you got to wonder uh, what they're going to do. Is it going to be the Miz winning again and then going on to beat AJ? And then they could always do Daniel Bryan coming back winning the rumble and facing Miz at mania for the title. And he's got three losses with against the Miz in some form. And so he gets a big win there or they have Daniel Bryan win Samoa Joe. And there's a lot of different ways they could go. But uh, I just think this feud has been, uh, the more it goes on, the, the worse it's, it's been for Bryan. Yeah, they got to do something, man. And building Australia with everything else is certainly a stretch of WWE storytelling ability at this point. Um, I do like that step, though. It does uh, it does open up a lot of possibilities uh, where they could go. I, it, Al, to your point, it did seem like that end was botched because, um, yeah, yeah, Maurice. Yeah, I felt like they didn't they just do the same angle where with the baby, they with the baby, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So it's very similar, but. Yeah, when when Miz, you know, uh, when Maurice was faking it, and Miz came back, and then he came at her again. I don't, I don't, I couldn't tell if she was supposed to actually be taking a bump there, or if she was supposed to be missing it. It, it the whole that whole ending seemed uh, awkward. Yeah, and and uh, it it just makes me think of one of the more peculiar things about uh, Hell in a Cell was, you know, come. I, I thought that the build up to uh, Brian and Miz at SummerSlam uh, was really strong. They did a good job of telling the backstory, years of backstory. Uh, I thought the match yeah. itself was fine, and then. Uh, you know, circumstance has it that a month later is Hell in a Cell. It's kind of the perfect venue for this super intense feud, as it would have been for Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. And they didn't go that route with with either of those matches, two matches that I, I think are among like the most personal feuds. Instead, they went with this gimmick tag match that that I think, to your guys' point, really kind of took the whole thing uh, down a notch. And I thought some of the um, the build up to it was fine, 
But uh, going back to my earlier point, but by necessity, that that put uh, Daniel Bryan in a match that probably wasn't going to be as good as if it was just him and and the Miz, uh, because not only was it was it two women, but it was two of. Uh, well, I mean, in, in Bree's case, she's certainly experienced, um, but 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 not the, the the Christmas cleanest worker. I think it's fair to say. And with Maurice, I don't think anybody's even kind of faking it. I mean, she's she's really not a wrestler. Um, so, you know, you took a super red hot feud um, and a a match featuring one of the best wrestlers uh, in the world, and um, you know, I, I think they kind of squandered it. It's funny you mentioned how she's really not a wrestler. I, you know, I pretty much agree, and she's one of the longest reigning Divas champions of all time. <laughs> Marisa's, but yeah, uh, times have changed. And I think she's fantastic. I mean, I think what she does, she does really, really well. She has added a lot to the Miz character without needing to be in the ring. Yeah, and hey, sweet gig if you can get it. You know, I think uh, most would rather be able to add that much to a storyline without having to take bumps. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Kofi Kingston versus Cesaro. Big E out doing a little uh, Crocodile Hunter shout out last night in advance of their trip to Australia. Uh, we're going to see New Day versus The Bar for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship at the Super Showdown in Australia. Al, what did you think of this match last night? It was a match. Um, you know, I don't know if I was surprised to see uh, Cesaro go over as, as clean as he did. Um, but, you know, that the SmackDown tag division is is actually fairly deep. I mean, I, I watching a mixed match challenge uh, last night, they did a whole uh, video package on, on Jimmy Uso, who was teaming with Naomi. And it's like, Oh yeah, the Usos, I forgot about them. They're really good too. And uh, then you add in the bar and you add in, well, I guess the Bludgeon brothers are on kind of a hiatus right now. Uh, New day. There, it, it, I think um, maybe one of the, the more untold stories is that they actually do have a lot of options for, for that division right now. And a lot of good, matches right i mean you you mix uh almost any of, of 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 those teams up in a combination and um get a good chance of getting you know a, a pretty decent three-star match or, or better justin yeah i mean kofi and cesaro are reliable good match you know you're not going to really get a bad match out of out of those two with anybody but it's kind of you know i mean there is a, there is depth you know uh, sanity is another one who you know on smackdown there is depth uh, I, I'm a New Day fan. I mean, I think, I mean, you know, and it's, it's remarkable in this day and age. I mean, they've been together for, you know, like three, four years, and that's, that's an eternity in today's, in today's wrestling world. Um, I just, I feel like, I, I don't know, other than, like I said, other than them splitting and, and having some singles runs, while still being the New Day, a group, but having the individual single runs, I feel like I've seen every tag match combination possible. Um, you know, I, I feel like I've heard every New Day promo, and I, I just, I don't know. I, I just don't know what else I want to see out of them tag wise. Like I said, so I, I would like to see. Okay, let's 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 let Kofi or Xavier Woods go for a mid card. Let's let Big E potentially be positioned to to be considered for top of the card. You know, or whatever they want to do. That's that's all I can see left if they're going to keep New Day intact. Uh, I don't really get excited for any of their tag matches right now. Not because it's not going to be a good belt to bell match, but I just don't, I'm not invested in the story because I feel like I've seen it all at this point. Raj, right. when the history of New Day is written, will the pancakes be when they jump the shark? <laughs> They're still super over. I agree that they. I'm so. I'm so surprised that they haven't tried to uh, pull Biggie out as a singles yet. And it's like what you said, Justin. Keep them a group like they do with Drew and Dolph, where they're they're a team, but they also do their own thing. Um, I, I'm so surprised that they haven't done that. You, you know, Glenn. I mean, we've we've talked about this so much as far as every tag team feud has this same formula where they do yeah. the singles matches, singles matches. 
you know, the, the champions lose the singles matches, you know, they trade a couple victories and then, you know, boom, you do the same thing the next time around. So in that case, I'm just tired of the same formula. Um, one thing that kind of depresses me with Kofi versus Cesaro is that remember when Cesaro was getting that big push in 2014, he won the Andre, the giant battle Royal the next night on raw Hulk Hogan endorsed him. Uh, he was getting that big push. He was put with Heyman. It looked like he was going to be the next big star. And then a few months later, he lost twice to Kofi Kingston on Raw. And that was the public way of saying, we've given up on this guy. So I don't know why. But whenever I see Cesaro and Kofi, it always just reminds me of that. He was a, a guy that seemed like a breakout star, and they just gave up on him. Uh, and uh, the, the matches to Kofi were the, the public acknowledgement of that. Hmm. Well, Cesaro did win last night. Uh, with neutralizer, he did get the pin. So uh, yeah, I'm assuming New Day will probably retain in Australia. Uh, set up last night between Lana and Aiden English, setting up uh, that things might be a mess between Aiden and Rusev uh, in advance of the match. We had Randy Orton in the production truck. Just, Jesus Christ! This whole thing demanding that he show him again and again the footage of him with the screwdriver and Jeff Hardy's earlobe. It's like, dude, you got a phone. Just go on the network. <laughs> <laughs> WWE network. Yeah. It's Randy's sick fetish. He, it's not that Randy wants to watch it. He wants to make somebody show it to him. That's that's what does it for Randy. It, and he put his hands on him. Poor, poor, uh, poor guy. <laughs> oh man, just please give us something new here. But I think I think they're just in love with this. I think they're just in love with with Randy uh, having at it with Hardy's uh, piercings. Well, no, probably I mean, going, they're teasing yeah. that. I mean, they basically said that 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 thing is done. Orton is was it? teasing someone. Yeah, he was teasing his next victim. Remember, yeah. he said uh, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do to the next my next victim. So I don't know what kind of piercings does Shinsuke Nakamura have <laughs> that we don't know about. I, I don't think it's going to be Nakamura. I think I mean I think it's got to be a baby face. So that that get, uh, uh, Albert yeah. out of retirement. <laughs> Who's it? Yeah, oh, Albert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but who, who, who do you guys think Orton was referring to? I mean, it's kind of a short list, right? It's AJ, Daniel Bryan, uh, Daniel Bryan. Oh, and he's got a match in a few weeks, so chances are they wouldn't do anything until after that's done. I mean, they could have Orton interfere in that match, leading to a Miz victory. Um, but yeah, it's I, like AJ and Daniel Bryan, right? Who else? Who else really is there? I'm a little surprised that they would. I mean, not that I'd complain about it, but I did think there was a a, a little gas uh, left in the tank for for Hardy and uh, Orton. Um, I mean, it was only when when did the uh, actually this was their first pay per view match? Yeah, yeah. And uh, in as much as uh, Randy went over, you'd, you'd think they'd give Jeff the chance to to avenge that loss. Maybe they still do. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised for them uh, to see them go back to this uh, at least one more time. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed pretty decisive. And plus, it just seemed like this was a feud designed for Orton to win. Um, mm. And yeah, so by the way, Hardy uh, was back in action the next night at a live event. Yeah, SmackDown live event. So Kayfabe is ruined. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they didn't sell that. Too did, he sell, did, he, did he sell the ear at the live event? <laughs> he was he was working like he was hurt from the night before but <laughs> Work yeah, i don't ear. know if he i don't know if he sold the ear i wonder if they could do something i mean uh, uh matt's talked about pete he all but announced his retirement earlier uh this week i wonder if they could do some angle uh on tv where where randy essentially retires matt um and and that adds some fuel to the uh the feud with jeff 
that would be i mean that would be a really good idea if if orton's responsible for heart you know because so many times when someone retires it's quiet and that's yeah. what it seemed like matt was going to be like they don't do anything on tv for it. but if they made a uh did turn it into a storyline that would be really cool yeah randy show up on on raw maybe and and beat the hell out of uh matt and, and you just and do it faster or you just do a backstage segment where hardy's visiting yeah. jeff and you know at smackdown sure. and then all of a sudden you see later orton's just beating the crap out of hardy and does something something dastardly yeah yeah how messed up does matt hardy have to be that he didn't get a retirement match well, who gets a retirement match i mean christian never got one matt mark henry never got i mean very few people do uh edge be- was world champion at the time when he got his so he was like forced to retire as champion so um well, i know, don't think made I don't, a bigger deal out of it but and there's not think, many people they, they do that with and i don't think we've seen the last match i'm at anyways so oh. i can agree yeah, well, uh, we're talking about live events. Speaking of live events, want to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode, SeatGeek. Oh, getting tickets online. Oh, is it complicated? Waking up early, trying to navigate different sites, different pre-sale codes, hundreds of sites, varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust or what the best strategy is, and that's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls in millions of tickets into one place, so you can easily find the seats that you want for the price that you are willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a fantastic value. Now, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. They search multiple ticket sites and grade every ticket based on value. This way, they help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. SeatGeek should be your go-to source for everything from sports to concerts to comedy to the theater. I have SeatGeek on my phone. It is actually the easiest way I found to shop for tickets. I tell the story. I found SeatGeek. I fell in love with SeatGeek back two years ago when I bought tickets for Hamilton. was trying to get seats. Sold out show. SeatGeek got me in. Got me fantastic seats at a great value. And I've been using them ever since. Oh, the concerts I have seen. Everything from uh, Bananarama to Matt and Kim uh, to Buster Poindexter. How did I get there? SeatGeek. Uh, absolutely love it. Raj, you've used it both for Lady Gaga to Bon Jovi to the Broncos. You are a man of range yourself. And uh, it's yeah, right it's here. Out for you. And, uh, you know, uh, I live in Denver. The, the top two events right now when I go to it are the Raw and SmackDown this coming Monday and Tuesday that are in Denver at the Pepsi Center. Nice. Uh, so it's it's easy to use. Uh, it, and uh, I, I use it all the time. I, and uh, I haven't decided if I'm going to Raw and SmackDown yet. Uh, but you know, the Seat Geek, uh, it works. It's great for NXT, WWE, uh, pro wrestling. Uh, as you said, the theater. I used it for Guns and Roses, Bon Jovi, Lady Gaga. Uh, so uh, it, it's definitely a great app, and it's it's my go-to now. So that's all I use. Absolutely. And, you know, because that's the thing, I'm tired of waking up, figuring out the pre-sale code, doing all of that. I'm just going to get my tickets on SeatGeek from now on. I encourage you to to do so as well. And we've got a special offer for our listeners. You can get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code INC today. That's promo code INC for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets and we thank them for sponsoring the Wrestling Inc. podcast. So, Rusev versus Shinsuke Nakamura, perhaps not a notable match in and of itself for the US title, but notable what happened after where Aiden turned and started beating on Rusev. Um, end of an era, Al. 
will you remember this moment forever? I, I thought it was, uh, uh, as far as splits go, it was well done and it was memorable. Um, you imagine they get a few matches out of it, but y you can't uh, think that this bodes too well for, for Aiden English. I mean, uh, Aiden English without the whole Rusev Day infrastructure kind of support team, um, you, I don't know how valuable he is to, to WWE. So th this feels like the kind of thing where uh, they get a couple matches out of it and then Rusev moves on to whatever um, he does. Maybe we see Aiden English on main events or, or something Ooh. like that uh, for, for a while. And uh, then maybe we don't see him. He's a survivor, man. After the Vaudevillain split, people are like, oh, poor Aiden English. Better go get Jack Gallagher, Vaudevillains 2.0. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't underestimate the guy. You know? Yeah, I, I I think he he's a, a talented guy, but it, it's hard to I, I gotta say it's as fun as the Rusev Day uh, angle was. Um, I'm not. I do feel like if it didn't completely uh, wear out to welcome, it was starting to. Hmm. Um, so I I think timing wise, maybe it is the right time to move on. I think Rusev and and Lana have such obviously a natural chemistry with each other that that really is uh, the the package. I think that's that's what works best. Um, I thought Aiden English was, was fine, but they didn't need him. They didn't need him. Uh, and in the ring, Aiden is, again, fine. I, I don't think anything uh, exceptional. Uh, but, you know, it, it could also help uh, Rusev kind of get to, to the next, next level, assuming uh, he comes out on the winning end of this feud. I would hope so. Justin? Yeah, yeah it was an appropriate turn. It was, it, it was well done. Uh, you know, I like the... Um... The symbolism of him attacking him with the the, the microphone, so that's what yeah. that's that's Aiden's main uh, weapon of choice with his voice and his singing and, and knocking the the Rusev flag off the microphone. Um, and I'm really glad that they made Aiden English the heel out of this. I mean, first off, uh, he actually has a very heelish kind of look. I mean, with the the pale skin and, and, and I mean, he's very he's he's very chiseled. He's 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 got a scrawny build, but, he, but he's got a heel oh, kind of look apps. to him. Those abs. Yeah, I mean, but he's got a heel kind of look to him. I'm so. I mean, I was worried that it, when the split did happen, that it was going to be the opposite. I was worried that WWE was going to try to have Rusev, since he's the bigger, more commanding-looking heel uh, in that regard. I was worried that they were going to have him go heel, which would have just been asked backwards for what the fans want, as well as they're always cheering for Lana as well. So, you know, it's good that they did this. Uh, as Al was saying, you know, you get a couple masses out of this, but I think Aiden English pretty much he's going to go back to being around just for the purpose of they need to fill out two live event tours simultaneously for Raw and SmackDown. So that's probably where he's going to be. Um, you know, uh, and that's, you know, I, but I say that and that's what you, that's what I put my betting money on. But then again, uh, he, he, he found himself randomly in that Rusev pairing. So maybe they find something else for him, but I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what that would be. I, I think he's definitely going to get a little bit of a reset on TV and be taken off for a while. Yeah, Rush. I kind of agree. I think uh, <clears throat> to, to Al's point, I, I do think that the the Rusev and and uh, Aiden English parenting had kind of worn out its welcome a while ago. It seemed like now fans were chanting Rusev Dave more because they're supposed to, as opposed to like they're really into it. Um, I think this is the best thing for Rusev. I think Rusev versus Aiden English, though, it's, it sounds kind of like a pre-show match um, uh, on a pay-per-view. I don't see it going much higher than that. It, I mean. It, mm. But I hope this is the start of better things for Rusev. I kind of agree. I don't see this boating out well for Aiden in the long term. Uh, Glenn, your point, he is a survivor. That's once he survived. We'll have to see uh, uh, what what he can do this time because, uh, you know, the singing gimmick and everything, he's been doing it for a while. Um, I, and I, ho I hope they, they find something for him because I, I do think he's pretty talented. He's unique. And uh, I, I'd like to see it. You know him do something, but I almost feel like 
I just see him either off TV for a while or putting another tag team. You don't think Simon Gotch is going to come back, surprise return? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think that would really bring him down. You saw what they were doing with yeah, them before. True. Yeah, um, man. Yeah, I like Aiden a lot. Uh, although it is interesting. He just launched a YouTube channel, Wrestling with Whiskey. Sometimes I wonder when wrestlers start doing more outside of the WWE. They feel like, oh, hey, I might need to diversify. Smart. Bit. Um, so many of these guys uh, diversify, uh, not necessarily on the front end, but you know, as far as real estate and things like that, owning gyms. So uh, it's smart. Or when yeah. they start, or when they start using their real names on uh, on their Twitter hand. On their That's Twitter. everyone now. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. Everyone really. well, every, like well, Mojo, I mean, Mojo Raleigh switched to his real name. Yeah, uh, Jax. You know, I, I always find. I mean, but that that also is. I mean, again, it's smart. I mean, especially if they're if they're trying to get branded in other media, they're trying to do movies and stuff like that. It's smart to to I guess make people aware of what your real name is if WWE's going to own your your. your oh, absolutely. Name, God, it would be a great network show, but they would never do it. I would love a show. The side hustle of WWE superstars. I want to see Heath mm -hmm. Slater working with Hosted. his wife on her. Um, you know. <laughs> Hosted by Zack Ryder. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Xavier Woods and his uh, his video game uh, a channel, uh, Up, Up, Down, Down. I think he might be making more money off of that than, than WWE. Could be. Yeah, Fandango's flipping houses. Uh, Heath Slater's pushing his wife's uh, multi-level marketing makeup thing she's like, doing. <laughs> Fandango's he, flipping houses? He's involved with the wrestling yeah. school, Heath Slater, you know, yeah. in Atlanta. Yeah, the network would never do that, but I would watch the hell out of that show. Uh, man, um... Andrade Cien Almas versus AJ Styles, non-title match last night. Andrade out with Zelina Vega, and I think we all knew where this was going. Um, I thought the match was pretty darn good. Love that sequence AJ did into uh, the finish there with the Styles Clash. Um, that was insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, what what went down there exactly? He was in a pin position and then somehow reversed that into fully standing. I've never seen that before. Yeah. It was like the reverse of uh, the rolling Yoshi tonic that Sami Zayn does with the powerbomb uh, 360. It was like a reverse version of that uh, where AJ was sitting on him and then got up and then and flipped backwards. Watched yeah, watch that. That was so cool last night. Uh, high point of the year as far as uh, sequences go for sure. Um, but the match itself, Al, what did you think of that? I, I thought it was a really good match. I'm, I'm uh, a little concerned or even a lot concerned about this usage of, of Andrade Sinyalmas. I feel like they they know they can get a good match out of him because he's a, a super talent, but they're, um, they, they don't think that any of these pairings are special enough to wait on. So we've already seen him in, in what should be uh, maybe dream matches or overstating things, but uh, paired with... Uh, what were, would probably be his best opponents on SmackDown in matches that, you know, a little more than a throwaway match if you're talking about the, the main event of SmackDown, but no build, no real storyline. It's just, who could we put AJ in there to have a really good match with? And they're right, because Andrade is, is fantastic, but um, I don't like him being uh, put in this position where it, it's just about filling a slot um, without really much of a storyline or anything uh, to, to advance him. I, I think Andrade... Uh, could be one of the guys who, who they look to as uh, the future of SmackDown, one of the future headliners in a world title program. Um, and if you're going to do that, I, I don't know if it's the best idea to just be kind of blowing through these matches where, where he's and, and having him lose pretty decisively on a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of weird that they've made him, um, I don't want to say like high level enhancement talent, 
but yeah. it does seem that that's his role lately. He hasn't gotten a real push, right? I mean, I guess this is a push, but if you're not winning and there's no title on the line, Justin? Yeah, but you know, I mean, Al makes fair points, but I'm, I'm going to disagree because, you know, I think if you want to if you, if you weigh the options here, I think it's a lot better for him to be getting put in matches with Dan O'Brien and AJ Styles and getting these two segment matches that are that are very, that are very competitive. He's got you know near falls, chances to win, or at least making it seem like he has chances to win, versus him getting repetitive week after week uh, BS wins over Ty Dillinger or or whatever with, mm. with no with, with no real purpose. You know, I, I think I think in a year from now, you know, who's going to remember what his win loss record was? All they're going to remember is wow, he had some great matches against A level talent. He, uh, I, and I'm going to disagree with you there, Justin, uh, in the sense that at some point when WWE gets used to booking you to lose, you kind of get stuck in that that position. It, it, it can be hard to get above it. We've seen it time and time again. How often do we see people that lose week in, week out go on to become yeah, but who are they, but, but who But who are they losing to and what, and what fashion is the match? I mean, he's being put in – I mean – He's he's been on the main roster very for a very short time when you really think about it. I mean, and, and and when he was, it was like the constant delay of seeing him even do anything. You know, we've got a few vignettes and promos with him and, and Zelina. So, uh, you know, it's like he proved himself in one of those matches. I don't know if it was against Brian. It's like he proved himself, and all of a sudden they now have him as reliable. I I see what you're saying, Raj, but there's a difference between getting booked on stop to be the throwaway four minute five minute TV loss uh, versus you're getting again twenty minutes and you're being and you're in the best match of the two hour show every single week. Yeah, but you got to be thrown a bone here and there. Otherwise, people just get used to you losing. Um, you know, it's like Sting and Ric Flair. It's one thing if, and, and granted, they, they went to a draw, but, you know, when Sting's first coming up, if Ric Flair beats Sting in a classic, it helps Sting for sure. But if Ric mm. Flair keeps beating Sting after a while, it, it stops helping Sting. Um, you know, at some point, Almas has got to get something. He's got to get a big win. And, and soon, I think, because... I think fans are getting used to him being the guy that's going to have a good match but lose. And well, if he uh, is a heel, he should only be winning if Zelina's helping him. He's a heel. Yeah, so let Zelina help him. Right. <laughs> you know, like uh, give him give him some because you know SmackDowns. You got Randy Orton who's been a killer heel. He's like the most important heel right now. Samoa Joe's I feel like has been knocked down a couple pegs, and then who else you got on the heel side? So I think Almas can really uh, you know fill in that space. You, you just got to. Give him, you got to give him a real storyline. I mean, I think him and Rusev could get there, but the way WWE books their feuds a lot is them just trading wins back and forth and then going to a pay-per-view and blow it off. Um, give them some sort of storyline that fans could get into and and something more heated as opposed to just the standard booking of, of back and forth. And uh, Maybe a Jeff I, Hardy I, uh, works there. Jeff Hardy would be, would be great. Um, yeah, actually, that would be really good. Hmm. Oh, man. So after that, Samoa Joe attacked AJ, telling him he will never be safe. Samoa Joe's got to cut his hair or something. He's looking kind of, it, <laughs> isn't that kind of distracting a little bit? It's a weird haircut. It looks kind of goofy. It, it's, I don't know. It just doesn't look like that. Uh, he looks a little comical right now. Well, I mean, so over the top lately, I think it kind of works, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. Australia. Joe versus AJ. They let Joe win. Hope so. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, it's not going to (laughs) happen. I think it'd be great. Well, no one wants to see Joe as the champ of me. I do. I I like AJ so much, and uh, I don't know. Maybe it it doesn't mean that much, but I I like at least the idea of him having um, a record-setting reign. Not because of the record, because 
but, but more because I, I think it is a, a good thing for WWE every once in a while to just stick with someone for a long time. I mean, you think about the long-term champions we had when we were uh, growing up. And I don't know that you do it for the sake of doing it, uh, but, but AJ does seem like the kind of guy who you would do that with. And uh, granted, I mean, they're already at whatever, 10, 11 months. So, so it really already has been a, a long-term title reign. And certainly, I don't have a problem with Joe wearing uh, the world title. But I, I mean, yeah, it'd be a little bittersweet to see AJ drop it. And you worry a little bit about what becomes of, of AJ. I'm, I'm sure he would stay in that um, that that top tier. Uh, then again, even as the champion, he's not, not main eventing shows. So how much more could he drop without the title? Hmm. Yeah, I want to see them tweak us Mojo's gimmick and just have him, you know, pull like an LL Cool J and go after every guy's wife in the company. And that could sort of be his thing. You know, an aspect of the feud. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if you wanted that, maybe, maybe after Brian loses the Miz, maybe Joe goes after Brie Bella. I mean, yes, no, and no, then... no, I don't mean about the wives, but <laughs> should Joe win the title? Oh, no. 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 I don't think so either. No. no. Like I said, I mean, this stuff does matter. AJ's on the cover of the video game. The video game comes out next month. I mean, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't see him dropping the title mm-hmm. in this calendar year. I kind of just don't think that WWE sees Joe as as a a champion, even though they don't push the WWE championship as as hard as the Universal title. I just get the feeling that they don't see Joe as that filling that role. Yeah. Well, the, the problem with um, and, and we talked about this earlier with having uh, AJ hold on to the title is that. Uh, it limits the the finishes that you could have on his matches, right? I mean, um, and and that's why we've seen so many of these feuds be prolonged by these wacky non finishes. Um, I don't want to see that. Another one. I mean, I think that's what ruined the feud with Nakamura was that they, they could not just put on a match. Everything had to be some kind of wacky finish, and um, they would risk doing that again with Joe. So the the upside of putting the title on Joe is that it you could have a real finish and you've got something to keep AJ going, right? Um, a, a way to naturally prolong the feud with AJ then on, on the hunt chasing for the title rather than defending it. Yeah. Well, we shall see. And even if Joe doesn't win, I'm just saying the going after guys wives gimmick that can work either way as a challenger, <laughs> you know, you could go on to Bree and go on to Maurice and then ultimately Linda McMahon, she's lonely in Washington. Joe's going to go and pay her a visit. It writes itself. I think it's a. I think that's. Uh, but you'll need to get a haircut first. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a better gimmick for like Dolph Ziggler. He, he's more of the wives stealer. I would feel <laughs> in this character. That's why Joe. It's not Joe's character because it makes it more menacing. It's like this idea. It's like well, clearly this does not sound consensual. That's what gives it that level <laughs> of, uh, you know, of uh, venom to it. Uh, anyhow, so I would have thought this was the match bef- uh, before we went to the Becky Charlotte segment, but then no, Billy Kay versus Asuka. Um, this was such a weird pace. Uh, so, so just weirdly uh, placed on the card last night. But they had Asuka and Naomi backstage. They're building up this match against the Iconics for Australia. Al, what do you think of this pairing of Billy of uh, Asuka and Naomi? This has been the low point of SmackDown for me for the last several weeks. I mean, it it's um, some it, some of it's even kind of cringeworthy. I think it's pretty bad television um, and with some of the characters involved, but you don't mind it as much. I mean, the reality is that I don't know if the Iconics or Naomi are, are all that high in the pecking order right now, but when you see Asuka uh, in something like this, it is really disconcerting. 
Yeah, this yeah. this kind of feels like I mean it's inevitable we're going to get a women's tag title sooner than later probably you know around evolution and you know this kind of feels like this is just okay we need to start to build some depth and we need to create some women's tag teams we already have the iconic so let's put Asuka and Naomi too that have very colorful glow, glow imagery I mean that's that's all this feels like is they're just starting to uh, it was the same reason why they brought the Riot Squad up. Uh, as well as the other trio of girls who I'm blanking on at the moment. It's the same reason they brought them up at the end of, of 2017. It was just so they needed to fill out, to have enough girls established on TV to fill out a Royal Rumble. Um, you know, that's, that's all, that's, that's, that's what this feels like here is, is just to start to develop depth. Yeah. And I think the Iconics just get the wrong kind of heat. Um, mm-hmm. There's a way to get, you know, like AJ Lee when she was a heel. There's a way to get heat from the crowd. And then there's Jillian Hall, you know, where... You're entertaining, whatever. You're getting attention, but it, it's not moving you up the card. And I think Iconics get that that kind of go away heat. Yeah. Uh, so Oscar, of course, dropped Billy into the Oscar lock. Oscar Doesn't really make win. you want to see that tag match, does it? I would thought they would did something better for the Iconics in Australia. And then maybe they'll win. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's uh, how it goes. I mean, yeah. It's just ooh, so weird. Oscar's trajectory in the last six months. Another one. I mean, I mentioned uh, AJ and Daniel Bryan and and Joe and Nakamura as these kind of sure things that you almost have to work hard to botch it, and somehow they they have. And and Asuka might be the worst of all. Yeah. Think about where she was the last time the mixed yeah. match challenge was uh, was on. Like it was such a given that the the odds were so in favor of Asuka and the Miz because of Asuka, mm-hmm. because of how she how much she was protected and. You know, here we are months later. Yeah. Um, Becky Lynch, Paige in the ring, debuting Becky's SmackDown Women's title with the side plates on it. Uh, Charlotte comes to the ring. Becky's taunting her, saying, you know, congratulate me, raise my hand. No, I don't want that. I just want you to call me queen. Charlotte attacks Becky uh, after Becky calls her a bitch. They really, like, is this how Vince and the writers think? Just like, that's the worst thing a woman could say to another woman. <laughs> bitch and coward are their, their buzzwords, right? Like, coward is all the, the word that the guys use, and bitch is what the, the girls use. Jesus, you should hear my wife when we're in the car in traffic, and she's yelling at other drivers, and only I can hear her. I mean, you want to hear how women talk to other women. <laughs> uh, I mean, God, this, this was uh, mild last night. But, hey, it set Charlotte off. Um, Let's think of the vocabulary we have from the women. This, the, the, we, we have we have bitch, we have coward, we have gumption from Ronda Rousey on Monday. Right. Well, well, coward <laughs> is for the men. The, the men have been using Daniel Bryan uses coward like every other week, <laughs> but gumption yeah. and and yes, <laughs> gumption and bitch. Women have a different c word they could use if they choose to. Yeah, Vince yeah. needs to like start listening to, like modern hip hop or something. I don't know. He just needs to get some new ideas in his vocabulary. I guarantee he's not listening to modern hip hop. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? Um, I thought this was cool last night, Becky. They, they've tweaked it. So, Justin, I saw your tweet. You're you're down with uh, Becky at this level of of being more heelish. Yeah, you know, I mean, I panicked. And I was I was all up in arms. Uh, you know, I was in. It was in Brooklyn that for some reason week, and I and I was all up in arms with how how everything went down, and then of course the 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 running down the fans promo that that Becky did uh, on the SmackDown after SummerSlam, I, I just couldn't get behind that. But I will say, every week since then, I, I've got I, I've I, it's it's won me over a little bit more. And last night, I really from you know as we're laughing about you know them using the word bitch, you know it was because they obviously don't do a lot of cursing. Obviously, it stands out, and you know it was it was you know nicely timed. You know having Charlotte with her back turned and. I'm I'm just I'm really behind it. I'm, I'm behind Becky's and everything. The the the, the 
wearing the dark leather now, the, the facial expression, the constant scowl. I love the, you put the belt around my waist. I mean, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I like the aggression. I, don't, I guess I don't even want to say heel turn because there's, I guess there's open interpretation with, with the fan reaction, but I'll just say I like the character change. I like the aggression to her. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm for it. I'm, 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 I'm all for it. Nice. Al, how's this uh, working for you? Yeah, I, I I really agree. I, I think some of uh, the whole debate about whether she should have been uh, turned heel or not and how well she was as a babyface was a little overblown. I mean, I think you can only make so much out of a New York crowd. I mean, you always have to kind of consider them separately, kind of in, in isolation and, and not necessarily dictate um, your, your storyline direction by a, a rogue uh, crowd. And uh, I, I, I agree. I was at that SmackDown where... She she kind of tried too hard. It was very forced when she started tearing down the fans. Um, yeah. but, but right since then, I think it's been a much more kind of organic uh, heel turn. And I think Becky Lynch, even put aside the title win, Becky Lynch right now as a a character, as um, uh, how much TV time she's getting, uh, is is in a much better place than she was before SummerSlam where there was a contingent of fans that was so dismayed that you would, you know, squander all the, the love and, and popularity oh. she had among her fans. I mean, I think it was a little overblown how over she was then. And I think she's much more over now. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, uh, I know people ripping WWE's booking of Becky, but she is way more effective right now than she's been the entire time she's been on the roster. She's way more over right now than she's been the entire time. Before, she was a nice, friendly face that fans seemed to like, but you know, she wasn't in anything juicy. You know, fans weren't really it's into almost her. Bailey. Yeah, yeah, it was kind Ooh. of that polite applause. Um, but now they <laughs> they seem really into her and. Um, Keep her, keep her with this heelish thing, whatever it is. Uh, I would not have her start teaming with heels against baby faces. Just kind of keep her in that neutral territory for now. See which way the fans go. Um, but this character is working for her. I think she needs to change her music. It's a little too happy, uh, cheery yeah. for, for her character right now. But I, I like it. I thought her promo was great. Um, it was interesting that they had her just beat the crap out of Charlotte. She calls <laughs> Becky calls her a bitch and then kicks the crap out of her pretty clean. And Charlotte's definitely positioned as a baby face and she gets uh, beat up. So I like and which I thought was kind of it was effective. Uh, and so I, I liked it. I like the segment. I think Becky is uh, Becky. They're on to something with her. I think she could be a, a huge star. Well, a week from Saturday. I'm facing Rousey at WrestleMania. I, from your lips to God's ears, I hope that's the case. If they keep, keep if they keep on this path, uh, I, I definitely could see that. Well, especially see, I, especially yeah. with Becky doing an armbar. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think, uh, and again, I love Becky, but I think more Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, that's the match. Like Becky's built up all this to lose to Ronda, and then Ronda to Charlotte at Mania. Maybe it could be. I mean, that could be their current plan is for her just to switch, you know, just to switch it back to Charlotte. But yeah, Charlotte's not really knocking him dead right now. I, okay. Like, let's have a real talk about this. Has Charlotte ever forget the ring work ring work? I think she's, you know, very athletic, very good. But Charlotte as a character, has Charlotte as a character ever resonated with you? fully where you're like, that's the one, that's the the best woman in the company that they should make the face of the women's division. As, as a heel, I thought she did. When she was uh, feuding with yeah, Sasha, I thought she, yeah. 
yeah, I thought she came across as such a big star and just completely, her and Sasha just came across as uh, above everyone else. Uh, they kind of buried, I don't know if buried is the right word, but they brought Sasha down a lot. But during that period, I did. And then since she's been a babyface, I agree. I don't think so at all. No. Yeah, Al? Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, he, she's a little miscast as a babyface. And I don't think she's a bad babyface. I just don't think she really stands out. I mean, she kind of blends into the background. Um, but but she's adequate. It was um, during her, her heel run uh, a year or two ago where you – and I mean – Maybe it's unfair to always be making these comparisons, but where you really saw the flair in her come out, and yeah. she really seemed like the the heir uh, to to her father's legacy, um, and I I think that's carried her uh, a lot. I mean, just not just the name, but but I think that WWE, uh, somewhat rightfully so, is enamored with the idea that the daughter of the you know greatest wrestler of all time could be the greatest woman wrestler of all time. Now, I'm not saying that she is, but I, I think they think that she is on pace to being. And um, that that match of the daughter of Ric Flair and the sensation that is Ronda Rousey is the one match that you could uh, uh, try to sell as a, a WrestleMania a main event featuring women. Uh, but they, they've got a ways to go, and, and it might mean turning... Uh, charlotte back to that character before mania and a good deal before mania i don't know that you could do that the you know a month or two before you talk about the royal rumble it might be something that they should they should start to lay the groundwork on uh now but as long as as becky uh they're trying to get her over as a heel um i imagine any plans to also turn charlotte heel are going to be put on hold and there is some weird shorthand there. I find when I talk about the women's division in the WWE to people that do not watch the shows currently, when I say Ronda Rousey and then Ric Flair's daughter gets people interested. You know, people get that. People understand that. People want to see that. Uh, Justin, your final thought on Charlotte as a face before we uh, wrap things up here and talk about the PWI 500. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a fan of her as a face. I mean, look, she's really good, Charlotte is, and obviously she brings some mainstream attention because of the family. But I, I do think there's a lot of things that feel very manufactured, very forced. Obviously, the amount of title wins she's had uh, certainly seems like they're trying to race and get her to, you know, to get her to uh, at a high at a high title reign number like her father. I, I think, you know, to all the fans who always think, oh, isn't it great when we have second and third generation? You know, this is why. You know, look, you didn't you didn't see Curtis Axel work out to be Mr. Perfect Part Two. You didn't see Ted DiBiase work out to be Ted, you know, the Million Dollar Man Part Two, or at least not as as well as everybody thought. I think the same thing happens with Charlotte. Charlotte Charlotte's going to survive, and she's going to have a she's already had a, a good career so far. But I, I constantly just feel like okay, it's just a, it's just an attempt to have a female Ric Flair, and, and after a while, I. I I think it does make her. I think it does put her in conversation sometimes that I don't know if she belongs. I think it does give her a little bit of an overrated factor at times. She's good in the ring. She's an athlete, um, but I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't hold her at the heights that other people do. Right. And and did you guys watch Mixed Match Challenge? I did. Okay. Well, I did. So Al, do you need to run at one? Did you need to run in ten minutes after um, we talked about the PWA? No, I'm I'm okay for a little while. Yep. Okay, cool. We'll talk about mixed match challenge then after uh, PWI 500, and then I'll we'll get into some of this news. There's actually a ton of it over the past couple of days. Yeah, so let's talk about the PWI 500. I'll give everyone a breakdown. Well, it's our I think 28th year, um, wow. and the issue is available now. Uh, the digital edition is available now, and the print edition should be coming out uh, any day now. I think subscribers. Maybe getting in, in a mailbox uh, today or over the next couple of days. Um, Kenny Omega is number one. That's the big headline of uh, this year's uh, issue. It's the first time 
in the 28 years that a uh, WWE wrestler has not been featured in the number one spot for back-to-back years. Uh, last year, Okada being our number one. So um, second year having a New Japan star uh, in the top slot. Um, I was just talking to uh, my podcast co-host, uh, Dan Murphy, who's got a lot to do with the PWI 500, carries a lot of it uh, on his shoulders. And, and I think we agree that you know this this list is always going to create controversy, always going to uh, create a debate. But this is probably as positive uh, feedback as we've gotten. And, and some of that is just a lack of feedback. We don't have people... Uh, complaining and screaming and cursing us out. So I feel like um, this went down pretty easily. Hmm. So what goes, what is the criteria now for, for best wrestler? Because look, 1998 in ring, you could say Dean Malenko was the, the best wrestler in, in, in wrestling, right? But that would be absolutely absurd for Dean Malenko to be Ranked number one when Steve Austin, you know, when Steve Austin's running wild, he's super over. He's he's moving numbers. Uh, he's you know you got millions watching uh, Austin, you know, and uh, you know caring about him, and he's moving needle the needle as opposed to in ring um, and just in ring. So, what is the criteria? Is it because there's obviously going to be a big difference between picking someone from New Japan over WWE when you got at least domestically, hundreds of thousands of people that are watching New Japan as opposed to millions and millions for WWE. Um, so so how, how is that weighted, do you think? Well, uh, the one thing that, that I think really kind of um, shields us from, from criticism to some, some extent is that there is a criteria. And so um, it, it's not a popularity contest. It's, it's not who's the most over right now. It, it's not who the best technical wrestler in the world is right now. Um, it, you know, it, it's a term that we're not crazy about, but it's it's probably as accurate as as anything. It's a kayfabe list, right? So, um, and and I think we're really proud of that. It, it you know, w- with wins and losses being dealt with so kind of flippantly by wrestling promoters these days, this is the one place where we say, well, wins and losses matter, and it's not um, the the only criteria. And and we spell out our criteria. I don't have it in front of me, but it has to do with win loss records. Uh, titles won, quality of of competition, um, skill, technical skill, that kind of thing weighs in there too. Uh, but you know, when we're evaluating any of these wrestlers, I think it's fair to say that the first thing we do is pull up uh, essentially their win loss record. You know, well, l- let's see how they did. And sometimes guys who you think uh, are going to be really strong number one candidates or or in the top mix, uh, just because of the way they're featured you go over their year and you, and sometimes um, a, a big win that you remember wasn't in the evaluation period. Maybe it was just before it or just after it, or maybe a guy is, is featured a whole lot and is main eventing a lot and, and is really kind of the face for promotion, but isn't winning a whole lot. Um, and, and that factors in there too. So, um, you know, I wasn't around when when they made the Dean Malenko uh, decision uh, <laughs> twenty one years ago. Now, um, I I think I guess it is uh, if they if some of the people who who had a hand in that decision had to do over had to do over again, they wouldn't have gone that route because people always bring bring that one up. They bring up the Miz, and I'll defend the Miz a little more. Uh, I did have uh, something to do with that one back in two thousand eleven, and I think we've been kind of proven right over the years with with some of what we said about uh, the Miz. Um, but, you know, w- with this list, um, w- we had uh, AJ Styles 
uh, slotted into number one for a while. The the, the group met the, the editorial uh, staff, and we hammered this out a couple uh, after a couple of days, and we put down the list, and we felt pretty good about you know we've got a solid number one. Uh, it was a few days after that, still within the evaluation period, that Omega won the uh, IWGP title. Uh, from Okada, and it was enough for us to reconvene and talk about it. And as a group, we decided that it was enough for him to to move into that top spot. Nice. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I kind of agree with it. I mean, it's 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 always just interesting what you consider the best wrestler to be because it isn't just in ring. There is promos. There's getting people to care. There's star power. There's charisma. Um, but I do think, you know, when I think of wrestlers that have made a difference over the past year, I think Jericho uh, tops that yeah. list as far as uh, really getting wrestling fans to care. Um, when I think of big money matches, Roman Reigns is at that top of that list because he's had he's headlined more WWE pay-per-views and WWE is by far the top dog. Uh, the best matches has been Kenny Omega <clears throat> or, you know, with Okada up there as well. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's. So it's always just interesting where you where you draw from, but you know that I think most people agree with this list that Kenny Omega deserves to be uh, at the top. But I gotta get yeah, yeah, so. and and the reality is, I imagine a lot of uh, our readers. I mean, we, we've dealt with this somewhat uh, over the years. Certainly last year, a lot of our readers don't even know who Kenny Omega is. I mean, um, I think sometimes in in our world you take for granted. Uh, but but go to your your neighborhood WWE house show and look at the fans around you, and there is. A, a good chance that half or more of the people in the building do not know who Kenny Omega is. Oh, so that's, and, and there's a reality when we make these issues that, that, that um, it maybe doesn't weigh into our decision, but it is a consideration that are we going to put a guy on the cover of our magazine who a lot of fans don't even know who he is? Well, and you talked about uh, not, get, not getting as much backlash and you're, and it's wise because you put, you know, Omega's fans are the, are the most vocal, so they'll be the ones that if you know if you put if you put uh, Roman Reigns or somebody like that at number one, you you will hear more <laughs> from them. But I got yeah. I got to give you guys credit, Al, because uh, you know I work in the independent wrestling scene uh, based here in Pittsburgh, and you know the the, the publication and the list itself has has you know such a, such a lengthy history now. It has such credibility. Um, that I, you know, I hear guys, I hear guys in the locker room, you know, some guys who are, who made it on to the 500 and others who, who, who haven't, who, you know, of course set a goal to be, um, and I hear them talking and they, they, they start knowing it's that time of year for the, to come for the, the list to come out. And I've, I've seen several, um, I don't know if you've seen too. I see, I've seen several of these independent wrestlers who I'm you know, friends with also on, on their Facebook account and they've created, They've been able to Photoshop their name to make it as as number as, as five hundred one or five hundred two. Uh, huh. <laughs> Some of that shirts made with their rankings yes. uh, and stuff. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's really rewarding. I mean, that's look. We we don't fool ourselves that Roman Reigns is losing a lot of sleep over being whatever he is this year. I forget six instead of five or 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 what have you. Um, but but for those guys, the, the independent workers in particular, the guys who you're going to find in that three to five hundred range, um, we know it means a lot to them. And um, even with, and I make this point a lot, you know, even with with spaces for 500 different wrestlers, the reality is that the universe of pro wrestlers is a lot bigger than 500 people. You know, you're talking in the United States alone, thousands upon thousands uh, upon thousands of people who uh, consider themselves pro wrestlers, whether they do it on weekend or they do it full time. And if you expand that uh, internationally, which our, our list does consider wrestlers from all over the world, it's it's even bigger. So just making this 500 wherever you are, with, if you're 498, that's still something to be really proud of um, and you're, you're on this list. 
And, and another thing that I think is really cool, uh, is, especially when you look at, uh, you know, grab all your old PWI 500s and, and put them in front of you. And to some extent, we had to do that when we put together the, the issue uh, every year. And one of my jobs is the um, the top 10 guys. I, I do the top 10 write-ups. And for those guys, we, we track every ranking that they've ever had. So it's like mm. path to whatever, number one, number two. And it takes a little homework to find out when's the first time they were ranked. Sometimes it's 15 years ago. And it's really cool to see that progression where a guy, his first year, or well, probably not even his first year. The reality is in most cases, a guy will work for several years before he, he's ranked at all. And maybe he debuts uh, in, in that 400 uh, range. And then a year later, jumps 50 spots. And a year after that, jumps 100 spots. And then maybe drops down. Uh, a few spots and then all the way up to top 10 or even number one. I mean, I think Kenny Omega is actually um, a, a good example of that. I don't have it in front of me, but you're talking a guy who has been on this list uh, for a long time. A couple of years probably was off the list and now all the way up to uh, number one. Al, let me ask you. So based upon that criteria of, of the wins and losses mattering, does it, does it matter the volume or does it just matter the win-loss record? And I ask because if we keep going the way we're going right now in WWE, it's very possible that when next year's list comes out, that based upon win-loss record, if it doesn't matter how many matches, that Ronda Rousey could be right up in the top. Well, we, we uh, uh, a couple of points on that. Uh, women aren't ranked on the 500. We do have a separate oh, issue. It's the issue after this. Uh, no, but it's fine because we have it's an issue uh, after segue. this. It was the, <laughs> exactly. It, for a long time, it was the female 50, which we started, I, I forget how long. It's within the last 10 years. Um, and the thought was, you know, in the days of like, you know, the, the lingerie pillow fights, uh, 50 was more than enough. And with the whole women's revolution um, for Dan Murphy, who who really handles that largely on his own, has been pushing for, for years for for more. You know, 50 doesn't begin to, to give you enough space to adequately rank these women. So this is the first year that we're doing the women's 100, uh, doubling the, the uh, amount of spaces we'll have for, for the women. That's um, the following issue. But I think an example um, of what you're talking about, we dealt with this year, and that's Brock Lesnar. Um, we, we do have a criteria for what it means to be active. And in, in the past, for many years, uh, it was just kind of a gut feeling. And it was like, well, we didn't see that much of this guy. And and to avoid that, some years back, we um, we actually created a, a standard that escapes me at the time, but I think it's something like 12 matches over the evaluation period or uh, at least one match in 10 matches of the evaluation period. Um, and Lesnar, for, for years now, has just kind of barely gotten in there. And, but is always uh, uh, booked to be so dominant that you you can't help but you know think of him and and try to rank him highly and and this year off of what was his uh, I think most dominant year since his return back in 2012 he's all the way up at number four above guys uh, like Roman Reigns when the reality is you know Roman Reigns probably wrestles more matches in in a month or, or less than that two weeks than Brock Lesnar wrestled over his. Uh, the, the the whole year, but you you can't not take into consideration um, the kind of historic way that Brock Lesnar was booked, uh, winning every match and in uh, in most cases dominating uh, matches and and not you know these weren't like those Ryback squash matches from years ago where you'd put him in against two jobbers to destroy him. Brock was put in against some of the top talent in the company, and sometimes they were handled like squash matches. I mean, he would run through them. Uh, so you you had to take that into consideration, and um, you know there was even a debate whether he should be number one this year. Ultimately, he landed at number four. 
Yeah, so this year it was uh, <clears throat> uh, Omega number one, AJ Styles number two, uh, Okada number three, Lesnar number four, and number five is escaping me. Was it Reigns? Uh, um, I think Reigns was a little lower. Uh, okay. I really should have it in front of Maybe it's Rollins. I think it was, it's Rollins. Thanks, Joshua. Uh, in the yes, chat. that sounds right. <clears throat> and last year in the women's, Asuka number one, Charlotte Flair was number two. I'm guessing Asuka's probably not number one this year. We'll I don't see. know. Uh, honestly, <laughs> we'll uh, I, I think it's a work in in progress, and um, I don't have that much say in uh, in that. Uh, Is it Nikki Bella? Pulling up the Sears. <laughs> you know, and and uh, it, it's worth saying. You know, like it, it's fair to say, with 500 spots, um, just about everybody who works for WWE ends up in the PWI 500. There might be some exceptions, uh, but with the women, certainly when it was 50, you, you had a lot of women who. Um, you know, work for WB and sometimes in some pretty uh, prominent spots, not at all on, on the 50. Uh, so maybe with having a hundred spots uh, that that'll change this year. Uh, I've got the, this year's top 10 in front of me. Uh, you said it, uh, uh, Kenny, AJ, Okada, Brock, Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman uh, at six, Roman Reigns at seven, Cody Rhodes at eight, uh, Naito at nine and uh, the Miz at 10 for the second year in a row. There you go. Check it out, everyone. It's it's out now. The PWI 500. I've been checking it out forever since I was a kid. I've been a big PWI yep, and, and uh, reader forever. If I could just get the plug in, it's pwi-online.com is our website. And uh, if folks want to uh, order the, the print uh, edition, uh, they could do that. They could subscribe or they could download right there the digital edition. And the digital edition is uh, customized for your mobile device. So it's not just like a PDF. It, it's uh, specially formatted for your mobile device. It's got a, a lot of cool features. Like you could click on certain wrestlers' profiles and it'll take you to a link of, of a match or something. Uh, so, uh, and it's also w with this and every issue, uh, it comes out a lot faster. I mean, it, it's close to a month earlier, um, than the print edition comes out that you could get, um, the digital edition. That's always been a problem for the magazines is the lag time. Uh, this addresses some of that. So, uh, by all means, go check it out. Check it out. Nice. Now we are running a little, a little over on time. So let's, uh, let's jump uh, into a couple of these items. The Mixed Mass Challenge, uh, returned last night. Uh, as far as numbers went, it was uh, way lower than the premiere last year, uh, or not last year, this past January. Uh, it peaked at 52,400 uh, viewers last night, which was down 61% from the first season, which peaked at 135,600 viewers. Um, but some differences this year, it's now half an hour as opposed to 20 minutes, and now it has two matches. It's round robin, so everyone faces everyone. Um, guys, uh, Al, Glenn, you both watched it. What, what were you guys' thoughts? Uh, I thought that uh, – I'm sorry, Al, you go first. Uh, okay, sure, thanks. I, I, one other uh, change that I'll point out, unless, uh, you know, otherwise, I haven't heard anything about any kind of charities or, or anything this year, right? Is that oh, out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no stakes at all. <laughs> <laughs> because a yeah. scripted tournament or predetermined tournament for charity does seem kind of ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah, I think nothing yeah. is better than that. I, I would like to see some kind of stakes. And I, I know they're talking about, I guess, doing the finale actually on uh, a pay-per-view. Right? I think at TLC they're going to do the finale. Yeah. Um, so even if it's like the cliched trophy, I mean, I, I do think it's worth giving them something to to work toward. Um, but I got to say, I kind of like the Mixed Match Challenge. I mean, it's sort of a, a, a guilty pleasure. And I, and I think um, 
one of the things that is, is sort of a problem with it is also its charm. And that is that to some extent, you feel like everybody involved isn't taking it all that seriously, right? Um, and right. and uh, be, because of that, there is a, a kind of uh, atmosphere of, of wrestlers sort of letting their hair down. Um, sometimes that that works sort of negatively and there's a lot of comedy, maybe too much comedy, but it, it's also sort of fun to see the wrestlers. Uh, it feels like the matches maybe aren't as produced as much as some of the other matches that they're, they're really uh, kind of just putting it together on the fly. They're given a finish and that's it. There's, there's almost a feel of um, camaraderie. They're having fun with each other. Uh, that kind of thing. And again, that cuts both ways. Sometimes it's a little bit uh, much, but but it, it's fun to see them kind of let their hair down uh, and just go in there and and put on a match and an entertaining match um, where where I think some of that that feel of uh, maybe not taking it too seriously hurts is in the announcing. I mean, I, I don't know if you could read Michael Cole's body language last night, but I, it just felt like, do I really have to be here at, uh, you know, whatever it is now, 1030 at night, 11 o'clock doing this so 50,000 people could be watching it? Hey, they get paid for those, man. Um, I thought Alexa Bliss being out because of the arm injury and being replaced by Ember Moon was an interesting development with Ember Moon and Braun Strowman last night taking on Natalia and Kevin Owens. Um, but yeah, doing this same brand thing, I think, is really going to change the flavor this time around. Whereas before, we did see more interbrand matches um, and matchups. And with this, I think uh, doing it this way and then having the finals from Raw and finals from SmackDown face each other, I don't know that I like that as much because I feel like we're seeing more of what we're used to seeing of these interactions. Yeah, I, I think, Al, to your point, I feel like they should just make a mixed match challenge title. If, if, it's, <laughs> if this is going to be an ongoing thing, they're going to have more seasons yeah. of it. I just create a title so that it has some stakes. And then at least those champions the next season, they got to defend it, you know, and it, it's, it's something. Um, but yeah, Al, uh, I agree with you as far as the wrestlers letting their hair down. It's, it feels like uh, the dark match after a TV taping where they just kind of goof around mm -hmm. and, uh, and they have fun. And it's kind of, it's fun to watch, but also you, it's hard. You can, you're not taking this seriously. And then are you going to take the rest of this tournament seriously uh, when they're just kind of having fun and they're catching each other's legs and uh, asking each other to drop their, you know, uh, there's some silly stuff, but it's kind of cool. So it's kind of refreshing here and there to, to see, uh, to see them, you know, just, just out there having fun, but it also is extremely fake <laughs> to, for lack of a better term. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And I think it shows uh, uh, a little more with this because uh, in, in a couple cases last night, so you had AJ and Charlotte teaming up together and both of them coming off like these really intense, like personal angles on SmackDown in Charlotte's case minutes earlier. And there they are uh, all smiles, kind of having fun, laughing with each other. You know, I'm, I'm not sure how to feel about that. I mean, I think even within sort of like their bubble, you, you can make it work saying, essentially presenting it as like, you know, this this they're letting their hair down there. Charlotte gets to take her mind off of this very personal feud for a moment and go out there and, and do what she loves with uh, a group of wrestlers that she's typically would not be working with. Um, but there, there can be kind of some issues with tone when you're moving from the the, the really heavy storylines to this thing that is like almost comedy. Yeah. Uh, let's get into a couple of these other news items. We mentioned Alexa Bliss. She tweaked her arm uh, during her Hell in a Cell match. With, I mean, during her match at Hell in a Cell with Ronda Rousey. It's nothing too serious. She um, She's going to be evaluated, I think, next Monday. And uh, 
If she's cleared to return, she'll be back in the Mixed Match Challenge. So Ember Moon's a temporary replacement unless Alexa Bliss is not cleared to return. So uh, there's the update on that. The concussion lawsuit against WWE. Uh, Constantine Cairo said, uh, you know, there was a ton of wrestlers who were involved with this uh, lawsuit. And uh, it was thrown out by uh, huh. by Judge Vanessa L. Bryant on Monday. Constantine Cairo sent me a statement saying that he's going to pursue this in the appeals court. Uh, Jerry McDivitt, WWE's attorney, sent us a statement uh, basically saying that uh, the, the attorney should be disbarred. Now, there were issues with uh, the statute of limitations uh, with these uh, lawsuits uh, and also with how Constantine Cairo had filed them and um, being redundant and, and vague and, and things like that. So uh, for now, it's thrown out. So that is over unless it, it gains traction in the appeals. Um, you guys, anything to add with that? Or well, to the Alexa Bliss, the Alexa Bliss, I'll say this: I hope that uh, whether well, I hope that WWE utilizes that. I mean, it only you know you utilized for for Ronda Rousey's uh, appeal and, and allure to her and her badass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, WWE... and on, on Alexa Bliss, I mean, oh, sorry, just oh, go uh, okay, to go back to mix match, match challenge. I do hope she gets back in it because for for what it's worth. Her and Braun were the highlight of, of the first season of, of uh, Mix and Match Challenge, the chemistry that they had. I thought it was uh, really a lot of fun, the, the whole kind of playful flirting between the two of them. And I wouldn't mind uh, seeing them revisit that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, last couple of items, WWE re- uh, released Mahabila Shira, uh, who's in, in Impact. He was in the developmental system, had signed on uh, earlier this year. So he is out um as part of the wwe event in saudi arabia they have a world cup tournament that they announced so it's going to be so instead of a greatest royal rumble it's the greatest king of the ring um we'll see how we'll see how that goes but that's uh, one of their gimmicks it is going to be sean and triple h against undertaker and kane uh kane is basically being paid which i think is genius by wwe making a hundred thousand dollar donation to what is that uh who WWE is making a donation to the Knoxville Public Safety Foundation for the Kane's appearances. So uh, I think it's genius. It's it's hard to Kane's probably not going to get any political uh, slack now because oh, yeah. all of his money is going for the Public Safety Foundation. So it's going uh, going back. So I think that's a genius move, and and you get to have that match. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on on that tag match? <laughs> no, well, I mean it's. Yeah, I never thought we'd see Sean come out of retirement. Uh, so I mean, you know, I'll be watching as as will the world. Um, it is a smart move with the Kane thing. Um, it's funny to me. It's still the same thing as you know. I mean, Kane to me, Kane is one of my favorite characters ever. I just love the I love the backstory. I love the debut. I love the evolution of the character. I just I just still think back to you know twenty one years ago and you know when I saw that that great debut in St. Louis, I never would have ever believed anybody telling me that, yeah, in 20 years from now, uh, he's going to be wrestling and all of his money is going to be going to public safety. <laughs> well, <laughs> think about the first hell in the cell, right? Three of the, the key, uh, the key uh, you know, players, Undertaker, Kane, well, and, and Sean, and well, they're all involved in this match. And if you just want to include Triple H, Triple H was the one who slid in the ring and dragged Sean out of there. After, <laughs> yeah, after that's right. Right. Al, your thoughts? <clears throat> Yeah, um, I was just talking about this uh, on my podcast la- last night. It- it's weird. I mean, um, God, if you told me that the-, the return of Shawn Michaels after an eight-year retirement would be at a 
uh, a show in Saudi Arabia that were just kind of thrown onto the the calendar. Um, you know, that part I, I don't love, but I can't, I, I imagine they are putting uh, a whole lot of money in front of Shawn Michaels uh, to do this. And uh, I can't begrudge him um, the, the opportunity to make that money. And if you guys read his last book, but, but he, he wrote some about some of the, the maybe not so wise financial decisions he's made over the ah. years. So he, he's not a guy who, who left the, uh, uh, WWE and his wrestling career just loaded, you know, ne never uh, having to work again. Uh, and you know, w one night a tag team match where he only has to do whatever, half the work uh, in there, or, or maybe less do the hot tag and, and, uh, a couple spots in there and leave with, I imagine at least six figures, if if not, maybe even oh, seven more figures. Than that. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. How, hey, how do you begrudge it? having to be JBL Slade, slave, right? I would have loved to see. Yeah, I just watched that recently. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen, you know, WrestleMania is coming to a New York area here uh, in a few months. Imagine if, if you know, the, the, the coming out of retirement match was AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan or, or a, a host of other guys. Um, who would have thought this would be the the uh, coming out of retirement match? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, Al, where can people find your stuff on the web here before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, again, uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated's website is pwi-online.com. I believe we got a big overhaul coming of, of the website, so uh, it should be looking quite a bit different uh, with a lot of new features uh, before long. But uh, you could uh, download the digital edition there. You could subscribe uh, both to the digital or print edition. Uh, you can listen to the PWI podcast that I host with Dan Murphy uh, every couple of weeks there. Um, you can link to a lot of your guys' stuff, so um, uh, please go there and check it out. Follow us on Twitter. At official PWI, uh, my own Twitter is uh, at Alcastle PWI, and uh, I think it's pretty much it. Awesome, Justin. What do you want to plug before we take it home here? At Justin Labar on Twitter, you can find me there with all my links to Wrestling Reality Podcast, Chair Shot Reality here on Wrestling Inc., and all of my wonderful thoughts and the character character limitation that is Twitter. <laughs> awesome. I'm Glenn Rubenstein. You can find me on Twitter at Glenn Rubenstein. And we'll be back here Monday night. Me, Raj, Matt Morgan to talk about Monday Night Raw. Well, maybe Raj will be here. Maybe it'll be Justin because maybe uh, Raj will go to Raw. And uh, we'll see you back here next time, folks, on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care.